system. I find you in the shows and moving a great and being enough. The sign system is everywhere. I gotta give dun da 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 dun dun da dun 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 da 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 dun dun da dun dun. Okay, let's do it. All right, welcome back to Design System Office Hours podcast. We have a special guest today. Uh, Masato Yora uh, from Podium, lead software engineer for the design systems there. Uh, how are you doing, Masato? Good, good. Thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, so I'm honored to be here. Yeah, very excited. And uh, Masato, uh, in, in his spare time, also runs uh, designsystems.career and figured uh, PJ and I would uh, chat with you a little bit about that. Uh, PJ is also here. I'm here. Hello. <laughs> I am just, uh, for all the listeners out there, I am, uh, taking care of a dog and a kid while I'm having the podcast. So I'm going to be super, uh, present for this entire episode. I love it. We all, we all multitask. And then I, I think, especially in our at design systems world, you know, we wear multiple hats, you know, sometimes, uh, PJ wears that giant's hat, you know, sometimes he wears ace hat too. Um, might even wear Dodgers hat, right? You wear multiple hats. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you would catch me dead wearing a Dodgers hat, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, that's another story. Yeah, so yeah, going, going back to, uh, how, yeah, how, how we, uh, come to find you, uh, Masato, um, I've been following you for a while uh, on Twitter and, uh, there's been some really good, uh, design system careers conversations on, on design Twitter, I like, believe it or not. Uh, I feel like there's, there's just been, um, especially in the times now, uh, people uh, reaching out to each other, trying to find more information about jobs. Uh, a little bit, uh, it's been a little bit of a struggle uh, in the past to find design system oriented positions. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you've solved that problem by design, designing and uh, creating uh, design system. Career. So, well, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about uh, what uh, inspired you to, to start that and, and get that uh, going. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, so I'm working in the design system industry. And uh, when I tried to find design system job, it was uh, pretty difficult to find. And you, I think usually if people try to find design system dedicated job, like they maybe go to LinkedIn and search design system designer or engineer, but the result is like very noisy. Like they cannot find like dedicated one, but instead very generic one. And so I was very motivated to experiment, to create the code, to basically gather uh, design system dedicated jobs. And the result was pretty good. So that's in how initially uh, it started. Yeah, we, you you'd recently posted also uh, that you're you coming on here uh, and there is a poll with uh, different uh, questions and uh, that uh, people wanted to, to hear from us. Uh, let me see if I could pull up. Do you, do you recall... All right, which answer one? Like there were four options to select. Uh, and I was asking what topics one uh, listeners want to listen to. DS career challenges, DS job search challenges, DS interview challenges, and DS hiring challenges. And then first winner was the GS career challenges, 50%. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a, there's a big gap. So the second looks to be uh, design job search challenges. So let's talk about design system career challenges. I think that's a good, that's a good one. Um, one thing that I've noticed just in 
postings in general is that I think there's there's a lack of, there's a little bit of an unrealistic lack of clarity on what people are looking for. Like sometimes they'll look for a senior uh, product design design systems person that has 15 years of experience in design systems. And as we know, uh, design systems as they were uh, have not been around for, for that long. So uh, what have you seen out there that uh, has been a little tricky to decipher from like the job posting point of view? Yeah, so I see uh, many companies are posting um, like general designer or engineer that briefly touches on design system. That's kind of like the, the one category um, that's very noisy. And then the another category, there's a design system dedicated jobs, such as design system designer, design system engineer, or maybe front-end engineer hyphen design systems team or vice versa for the design. And uh, yeah, I feel like this kind of dedicated uh, design system job postings are, are increasing over the past few months. So um, that, that, that's kind of like what I'm seeing as a category. And uh, companies are like gradually noticing how to separate those jobs, uh, but still having difficulty to post uh, dedicated design system job to find the candidates. What have those um, job descriptions and requirements looked like for a specialist? What are they asking for um, for that role? Uh, it, I feel like it depends on like if it's designer or engineer or even like engineer, uh, if it belongs to design or engineering department, uh, those kind of stuff. But generally, um, if it's a dedicated one, companies are looking for who have, uh, obviously, system thinkings, how to scale, how to make it consistent, how to keep between uh, code and design parity, those kind of stuff. And another thing that I see it's gradually becoming more popular is the uh, more um, the data point of view how to increase adoption rate, migration rate, those kind of uh, design system, like dedicated problem or KPI. Uh, candidate who has those experience, I think companies are uh, especially looking for those types. That's interesting. Are they, man, I have so many, I'm going to hand it back to Davey because I, I could just fire away a bazillion questions, but Davey, you got any questions? No, yeah, let's go back and forth on this. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I'm very interested in the design system specific <clears throat> job postings, um, more so coming from where, where I'm at meta here, where I think there's a fault where we have generalist interviews. So like our job postings for product designers are product design generalists. So usually what happens, like at least historically when, you know, when times are good is we have um, sourcers and recruiters that help us source candidates that are product designers, um, you know, uh, across, across, you know, the, the greater United States for our remote roles. And what happens is we interview them and then they get passed on to the hiring managers. And at some point, um, there's, I don't want to say there's like a bidding going on, but there's interest involved from the design, uh, hiring managers on what might be the best fit. So when, when I interviewed, uh, for, for my role here, there's one of two roles that I, that I would have been on. And I was very, very clear. Like, uh, I, I, I am a product design generalist in, in the past, but I wanted to go directly to design systems. 
specifically, I knew that my portfolio was tuned towards a manager of design systems and then design systems leadership. It wasn't tuned towards visual design or, or product design. So yeah, it's a little bit misleading, I think, in my opinion, to, to interview that way. And I don't think that we're also getting the right data if we're interviewing product design generalists uh, with the intention of uh, having them in a design system uh, specific role, like the sort of to peel back the onion a little bit more. I, I think there's a lot of folks that come onto uh, meta design system teams that are, that are generalists. And I think we need to be a little more cognizant on how we onboard them and um, what tools and materials we need to, to get them started. Because training a design system generalist is different than training someone that has maintained a system for, you know, you know even something like six months to a yeah, year. I'm going to take the opposite uh, view on this, um, mainly because uh, my, my concern about a specialized job role is that you have now pigeonholed a person into that role and it'll be difficult for maneuverability within a, within a company. It'll also be a hell of a lot harder to be able to justify an internal transfer in your team. And I'd argue some, those folks are oftentimes some of the best people to work on a design system because they know it. They know what they're dealing with every single day. Like if you're a designer, you know what designers are hating about life every day. Um, and so, you know, my concern for the folks on the team is that, Hey, if you don't want to be doing this anymore, meaning design systems, how do we find a place within the company that you do want to work? And if, if you're just a design system designer, that's gonna be a hell of a lot harder to find that role somewhere else within the company. So it's, it's a double-edged sword, no doubt. Um, but I, I, I fear that we get folks that are too pigeonholed into the problem uh, that it may not give them latitude or other people latitude to join the team uh, if the opportunity arises. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective from the uh, internal transfer uh, to to transition the job. Um, I actually uh, like tried to transition to design system designer at one point. Maybe it's like eight years ago or something. <laughs> A long time ago, and uh, I was just a general product designer um, and transitioned to dedicated one, but it was hard because the specialization is like different, mindset is different, and oftentimes the skill set is different too. And I think it's an interesting problem that, um, like, I, I feel like gradually the industry is realizing that design system skill sets and uh, regular product design skill sets are pretty different. Obviously, there's an overlap, but there's a different skill sets as well. And in, in order to um, hire someone who has those skill sets and mindset, it's different from uh, hiring uh, regular design or engineering uh, in general. And so, yeah, I, I would say it's a pretty unique problem to solve from the interviewing perspective as well as the other company who is hiring for that talent. One other problem I have with, I was just talking to someone who uh, got out of school and was trying to find a job into design systems. And she was lamenting that it's basically impossible because it's so, it's so specialized. And the thing I shared with her in, in, you know, with not a lot of glee is that like 
you know, for, for better first, I've been working on design systems as early on as 2011. We know what the hell we were doing. There was no design system designer role. So the, so the, you know, the jackasses that just kind of fell into this because it didn't exist anymore, you know, before we got lucky because it was just, it wasn't even a thing. And now, and now all of a sudden we're like, no, no, no. Now you have to be a specialist and you got to know all these things that none of us knew anything about because that's what you got to do to get in the industry. And so I definitely understand it's a specialized role. And I agree with that. Uh, what my concern is, how do we respect that specialization, respect that there are certain skills needed while still not narrowing it down so folks can't get in? Like, I would argue we're responsible for training these people. You know, and like, if it is specialized, like what, here's what we're going to do to get you up to speed. If we, if we, if we like your noggin, if we think you're smart, if we think you're going to work well with our customers, how do we get you up to speed and give you the skills that you need to do the job? Because it does, it does seem slightly unfair that just because I have more gray hairs, uh, I got an unfair advantage <laughs> to like do this work as opposed to other people. I have uh, the one inter interesting story to share for that uh, from that aspect. So one of my friend was basically searching for a design system engineering job dedicated to design system, but he didn't have uh, any experience prior to that uh, interviewing. And so he basically needed to uh, narrate the, his story uh, around how his front-end engineering general job can be applicable to a design system engineering job. And uh, it, it, I, I feel like it's still possible to basically uh, relate um, what's the general job could be applied to the uh, design system de designer or engineering job if, uh, if they can, like, present or uh, narrate a story to uh, applicable to those uh, spe uh, specific job. And uh, he actually got the job uh, after that interview. And so <laughs> now he's working as a dedicated uh, engineer working on the design systems. And uh, that, that was pretty insp inspirational for me to kind of like open the eyes that, that uh, the people could be like transferred to the other one. Uh, if, if that presented well. Yeah, I never had the guts to pivot to engineering, but I, I would think that if I were to do any sort of pivot, I would also try to be a design systems engineer um, and then try to be a, a front-end engineer. Because I think in terms of the designer, the, the engineering pairs that I, I have worked with, uh, I've, I've had great success working with design, uh, design engineers and front-end front -end folks. And I feel like the skills are extremely transferable. Um, I wanted to touch back on like <clears throat> I hate that that there's that feeling, PJ, that you said that the designer that you talked to felt like there there may have been gatekeeping going on with with the roles because I think our roles specifically as a design system practitioners, I think that it's it's an excellent place to up level designers and then bring them in from uh, from from the jump. So if you are uh, someone that is interested in becoming a, a product designer, I think this is a an excellent place to start because not only do we help you build the foundations of documentation and writing, uh, we help you work with the artifacts. We help you build in a system, a systematic fashion. If you had any uh, interest in systems thinking, boom, like that's, that's like an instant 
uh, instant win. And there's there's been some successes. Uh, specifically, there was a designer uh, that was uh, on my team that I had managed that started off on the design systems team, and now she's she could go anywhere she wants as a product design journalist. I feel like she up leveled uh, herself very well. I think we're leaving. <laughs> no, no, it's just more say of just, it. just how say do I it. say it uh, cogently. I understand why people are doing it. You got you got crap to do. There's time pressures. You want someone to hit the ground running as quickly as possible. You also want to be able to justify that you hired the right person. <laughs> like I get, I get what's going on here, but I do think we are potentially leaving money on the table because uh, the more experience we have, you know, typically that uh, cement hardens in terms of how we think about problems, how we approach problems, you know, some more than others. If you hire someone that is moldable and junior, uh, or just open to, to new ways of thinking, you have an opportunity to shape that. Right. And it's kind of like, you know, fitting someone in the system, uh, more, you know, more compatibly if that, that is not a word, but you know what I'm saying? And I think, I think, it takes more work, uh, and there are potentially more risks, but I would also argue that the upside is higher, um, because you could theoretically have a, a more, um, bespoke fit to the team in terms of approach thinking process, but it is more work. And that is typically a, a tough thing to ask folks, especially right now. I, I would say, uh, kind of on, on top of what, uh, PJ mentioned, um, I would add, I think that the passion for the design system is also the important one uh, if someone want to join. Because uh, <laughs> one time my uh, the manager told me, and I, I still remember to this day, it's the, like you can hire someone very skilled at something, but you cannot educate the passion after the hiring. And so if someone has like strong passion for specific thing for like design systems, then they can walk towards that uh, dedication, uh, even though maybe they are hired for like general role. And uh, I, I feel like that's generally like what happened to me as well. Um, previously, uh, I was working for a, a LA-based company, and I was initially actually hired as a, like a general front-end engineer. But during the the, uh, the interview process, uh, they were mentioning about design system, and I I was like, is there any way like I can dedicate to design system? Uh, because I was really like motivated to do, and uh, that that like, expression of passion kind of influenced them to put me to basically train on the design system side as well as the general application side, and so. I feel like that aspect also helps for the uh, uh, be part of a design system if they wanted to. Yeah, the passion. I think the passion, and I'll, I'll repeat myself like a, like a broken record, as PJ says. The the systems thinking or the interest to think in a more um, organized fashion. But I think the the gatekeeping thing. I, I'm still struggling with like the feelings of people feeling gatekept because um, something like tools or. I hate what I hate to see is uh, requirements for like you've used XYZ tool for so many years, like two or three years because of the tools and the, the frameworks are easy, easy to pick up. Like if you, if you're motivated and dedicated, you could learn react, you could learn Figma, you could learn XD, whatever the tool tool stack is. So I think if the passion is there and they seem like a good fit 
I think uh, the rest of the stuff is is teachable and moldable, right? Yeah, I mean, do do people ask questions about? <laughs> I don't ever ask questions about Figma in interviews. Uh, as a manager or an IC, I could care less. It, it is more about how do you critically think through problems. How do you uh, how do you apply? How do you notice patterns? How do you start to develop models and frameworks to abstract something? Uh, it it just seems like a waste of oxygen on both sides to be talking about Figma in some of these. Um, in some of these roles, unless that's all you're going to do. I know, I know. Uh, Davey is like giving me the hand sign. That he's like, I don't, I don't agree. I get it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strong opinion, but you know. it depends. I think it depends. I think, uh, if you could build something react that, that works. If you could build something in CodePen, that works. If you could build something in XD, that, that works, but build something somewhere. Like if you're, all ideas and you're unable to communicate that effectively, uh, that that's a little bit of like a red flag. But I think if you, let's say I'm going to give an example, like if you are a new designer and you either knew react very well, or you knew Figma very well, and you're able to demonstrate how to compose something, I think that's going to give you an extreme head start mm-hmm. on demonstrating like how you're going to be able to utilize and, and scale the design system it's not required that you're you're an expert at the tool, but I think you need to be uh, willing to learn and be willing to, you know, hone hone the craft for whatever tools that you're you're using. That's a completely valid, and I think uh, probably a flaw in how I ask because I just assume they'll be able to pick it up because it is not. Figma is not rocket science, uh, and so I think I just assume that hey, like you'll you'll pick up enough to be able to get yourself in trouble in a good way. But you're right. It's going back to enthusiasm and passion. Can you suss out whether, you know, <laughs> once they do open Figma, if they're actually going to enthusiastically engage with it or or not? That's probably, you're right. That's an important thing to, to understand. Now, what, one thing I wanted to ask you, Masato, was in terms of like interviewing, um, from what you see from talking to folks on Twitter, in terms of interviewing, uh, how are folks evaluating that? Uh, designers and designers and engineers. I know engineers probably sometimes have um, code challenges, but how are people evaluating designers? So um, I, I only have like few data points for that uh, since I'm uh, coming from uh, engineering side. But I know uh, oftentimes it's a discussion-based uh, interview, uh, either through a portfolio or whatever the prepared for the interview uh, to go through. And uh, the interviewers were basically uh, asking related questions for those portfolios um, and assess like what's the, the relevant experience for design systems or how you worked with like other teams through design system to like communicate or evangelize the systems. Um, how did you? Like even if it's from a design side, uh, they also contribute to uh, adoption rate, migration rate from design side. And so maybe they sometimes ask about what's the, the your, your contribution to increasing those um, numbers, and also um, what what's the the process of. Uh, creating and maintaining uh, systems through either Figma or documentations 
uh, those kind of stuff. I think it's popular questions for uh, design side, uh, design system questions. There is there is a designer uh, from ADP list uh, that I've been I've been talking to, and they they had asked me about uh, design system interviewing, and <clears throat> I think that that's sort of what piqued my interest to get you on here, Masato, was to have this discussion. Certain design system interviewers are requiring people to do take-home exercises. I, I think that's extremely controversial. <laughs> PJs, I thought I saw PJ give me the finger. Like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, did not, I, I did not give you the finger. Stop it. Stop it, Davey. Stop the two, two fingers, uh, you know, of the middle of variety. But I, I am not doing that. But he had asked me, like, what what is my thought on that? So I thought, so then I reached out to some some folks. I personally don't think that that's any sort of take home exercise. I'm against. Um, I think in, in this in this climate is it's very tough. I feel like people are like a little bit of a, a between a rock and a hard place where people feel like they might have to do this sort of thing. But I prefer a just a whiteboarding exercise or some sort of just live exercise to talk through how you might build something and it doesn't have to be in the tool. I think it could be like the like you said, just talking through how something may work, how, how might you um, document something? But yeah, I just wanted to put that out there that that's something that came up. Um, yeah. Not, not into it. I, I don't think that it's a, a, it's a fair ask for someone. Um, yeah. I uh, interviewed for several like design systems related jobs in the past and uh, take home assignment. It's, still uh, popular, I think, uh, even though uh, I don't personally like it too. I remember one time uh, the question was around, uh, this is for engineering side, but uh, create a component based on the design spec and then deliver it to us. Uh, So that was like one thing that they needed to do. Another one was like uh, create application using the, the components and then like how do you basically like polish uh, this application using those system, like prepared systems, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's still like just, but yeah, to your point, uh, I don't, I think it's uh, not good practice uh, to use candidates time, <laughs> which uh, takes a lot, a <laughs> few hours or maybe half day sometimes. Uh, but instead, I think conversation-based portfolio review or white-based, uh, I mean, whiteboard-based interview is more, I, I think it's relevant and efficient to uh, evaluate the candidates. Uh, the, the, funny enough, even that can be challenging, right? Um, if someone is really good at thinking on their feet and, and you know, thinking out loud and just kind of jamming, riffing on problems, uh, then a whiteboarding exercise is, you know, going to suit them well. Uh, if someone needs to take some time to think and mull over the problem and just kind of, just kind of think it through before, uh, which some designers work that way and it works really effectively. That's going to, that's going to be more of a challenge. So that's even the risk of whiteboarding exercises that you're, you're going to have a specific type of designer thrive in that. And if that's what you're looking for, then like, I guess there's a case to be made that you're, that you're tuning the interview for that kind of, that kind of designer, but the work can get done all sorts of different ways. Um, and that's one risk is that if someone just wants to think through the problem on their own for a bit, that's going to be, um, it's not going to play to their strength. Yeah. I would say 
if you're one that needs to take, take a little time, whether it's like half an hour or however much time to think through the problem, I would say explain how you go through that and explain your thought process on how to do that. That's perfectly fine. I would sort of go through, go through the thought process and say, okay, well, what I would do is I would start by uh, trying to go and audit live code. I would then launch uh, React, you know, React Inspector, try to dive in and see what information I could find. I then would do XYZ to audit. Then I would possibly pull some related uh, components into the file and then break them. Yada, yada, yada. Half a day goes on. Boom. There we go. And like even I think uh, sometimes uh, like I I have a a design BFF that's my partner. And sometimes uh, she'll tell me, oh, I think this is going to take me a long time. And then I'll say, oh, how long? How long is this going to set you back? And she'll tell me half a day. I was like, oh, half a day. That's that's like a that's a rounding error. That's like a long that's a long lunch. That's not that's not that, that not that bad. So I think if you're able to talk through it and explain the different methods um, uh, that you would go through, I think that's perfectly fine. I think that's a suitable answer. That in and of itself is interesting, too, because um, we shouldn't record this because I don't I'm going to stammer here. But just for conversation speaking, I've heard so many people just go through the formula. First, I will do a competitive audit. Oh, no, no, not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. Then, and like, that's that's the challenge is like process has been so formulized at this point that I almost am like, yeah, okay, here we go. <laughs> Here's the spiel. Like, I go through this five-step process. I go, I could do research. I do a survey. You know, I come back. Yeah. <laughs> I do research. Then I do, like, then I, you know, then I prototype. It just, that's the thing that is... Difficult about process because it's become so procedural, so like hand wavy that that I, I find those questions to be problematic at times. Um, unless someone is really like, huh, let me think about it. I don't know. I haven't tried this before, but maybe this would work. I think those are really interesting conversations. I have two I have two points that I'll go to from like the survey that uh, the Zero Height survey that I'll cut into. Yeah. So thank you, Masato, for sharing the zero height survey. And, you know, uh, in our, in our notes, uh, the zero height did a design system survey. And uh, there's some two, two different points that I thought were very interesting to, to go through. Uh, there's one, uh, 18% of respondents found the, the clarity of the role to be an issue when applying for design system related roles. So yeah, I wanted to pin that and use that as a talking point. Um, have you spoken to folks that had a little bit of an issue with what they might be getting into when they're interviewing for design system specific roles? Yeah, I think it comes up a few times that, um, it's not clear what's the maturity, what the level of design system companies have, (laughs) probably because, uh, it's a early stage or not matured enough and, uh, companies, uh, not clearly communicating uh, what they are getting into <laughs> or sometimes company doesn't know what the design system is and like they cannot communicate or like explain what they have like sometimes they not, they think they have design systems but from the people who have who worked on design systems it's not a design system at all uh, those kind of stuff comes up pretty often so wait are you suggesting that people lie in job descriptions? <laughs> <laughs> Say it ain't so. That never happens. Not not the old time, but uh, unfortunately, sometimes yes. Yeah, I feel like the 
it's sometimes it's in the onus of the the interview the interviewee to to ask those questions and and I would say ask the questions when you're talking to the recruiter so you don't go too far down the line so asking about like what the team makeup is for the design system team uh try to get information on potential growth areas is there uh, is this team set to grow are you going to add uh specifically if this is a design only team like what is like the resourcing for engineering that's something that i asked quite a bit i interviewed for a role um last year uh and it was uh a, a, you know a, a principal uh design system designer role and uh, come to find out that i was one of one so like to the survey uh, over 90% of the uh, applicants uh, preferred working with a team, not being one of one, because it's very, very difficult to just be a team of one and trying to do all this, uh, wearing uh, the uh, Giants and the Dodgers hat and the A's hat all all at the same time. That's blasphemy right there. But I think one thing to ask yourself, if it's if the company's been around a while and there's only it's an unfunded team or there's only one person for the role. I think you have to have a real honest conversation with yourself as to how good of a chance there is for that team to grow significantly. There's a reason why that, that team hasn't been funded. And I think we all can fall into the trap of like the savior, like I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to be the one that does it and be careful because it's really easy to say that, but, um, incredibly hard to actually uh, enact within a company. And so, you know, if it's a, you know, if it's a one-year-old company or, you know, like a startup that's starting to grow, sure. But if it's, you know, 50, 100 years old and they, you know, they still have a design system, chances are they probably still won't have a design system uh, after you join for quite some time. Yeah, I think it says a lot. Um, If the company is big and design system is, maintained by one person or something like that, then there's also another risk of that project is going to destroy or die eventually. And that, that job will be lost. And so, uh, yeah, definitely needs to be careful about how, how much companies dedicating to that project. And also like how much the, the leadership is, uh, putting the energy towards design systems as well. Because if the, the leadership is not uh, like on board with creating design system or maintaining, then there's also a risk that that project is going to die uh, at, at some point. And so, yeah, that risk management is very important aspect. One good way to start to dig into that is ask them, <laughs> leadership, what is a design system? Just a real simple ass question, but man, that can tell a lot right there. Um, because folks say, Oh, we value design systems. It's important to us. But if they can't tell you what it is with any level of granularity or non hand waviness, that's a good chance. They probably don't understand what a design system is. And typically they don't, people don't fund what they don't know. And so that is another thing to, to dig into is to really like dig in and have them really go in deep as to what a design system is, at least for their company. Yeah, it could mean many things. So like there's, there's many acceptable answers. If they say a UI kit, then that's probably not good. Uh, but if they say it's uh, components and documentation, okay, that, that's, that's fair. 
but really trying to understand what their point of view is. Uh, I know we've talked about this, like really understanding what leadership's love language is uh, with all this. So if they're it's return on investment and driving numbers towards X, Y, Z, how is our thing going to be able to tune, tune that? Uh, and then a big thing that PJ's just talked a lot about is like, it's all about mandates, right? It's all about if leadership is supporting this team of one, but there's a heavy mandate for folks to adopt this. I think you're, you're in a good spot, but it's, it's a cautionary tale. I think in uh, certain cases like myself, I was able to start a team with grow from one to one to three and then nine people. But I think it's, it's extremely hard to be able to do that, do that on our own. Um, uh, so we've reached over our 30 minutes hopefully maybe 35 minutes after I do a little bit of magic. It's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah. I wanted to thank you Masato for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you for uh, having me. I uh, really appreciate the, the opportunity here. I actually listened to all the, the, the podcasts. <laughs> so this is a, this is a really fun time joining here. Thanks so much. Oh, wow. Thank you. And thank you, Pete. Thank you, PJ. Thank you, PJ. Thank you, man. Thank you.